Before we get started, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let us explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Monday and you know what that means. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Searching for MacGuffin proudly brings to you your host, George, Gabe, and Link. And we're back with new gear in preparation for full gear. And also, quick question, who, which children are listening to this <laughs> podcast? I think my niece. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Arnie's. She's oh, yeah. an avid supporter. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. She contributes to our Patreon. Yeah. So keep keep those likes and your support, your financial support coming. Yes, yes, Zoe, please do. <laughs> All right. So today's topic is the hottest sports entertainment thing in the world. Woo! And this is the term that Link came up with when we were asking, like, what, what should we talk about? This is the verbiage that he came up with, which is apropos for the medium. Yeah, Link came up with this, and I instantly fell in love with it. And I'm kind of the one that that really fought for it to be a part of it. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I stand by it. I think that's a very awesome term for what we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, and you're probably wondering what is the hottest sports entertainment thing in the world? What is sports entertainment? Today's topic is a, a kind of a niche product it may not be as mainstream as some of the other things we've talked about video games star wars marvel etc but it's something that's near and dear to my heart and we all have like varying degrees of like love for and that is professional wrestling yes pro wrestling so you might be asking yourself what is pro wrestling i think there's probably like a lot of cliches out there of like what people expect pro wrestling to be what do you guys think of when you think of pro wrestling Person, I think from before my it's been like varying degrees of what I think it is. Um, before I used to think it was just people having street fights inside of a gym, inside of an arena, and just beating the crap out of each other with whatever they found under the ring, like tables and chairs and bats and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I mean, as in everything, with time, your perspective starts to change. And right now, I would just say that I think pro wrestling is kind of a performance in a sense, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like stuntmen being like actual actors and just going all out with their performances, with their stunts and with their acting. Yeah. For me, professional wrestling is a story of good and evil. Except the characters are wearing tights. <laughs> and that's the best way I can describe it. So just good versus evil? In tights. Yeah. So it's basically Star Wars in tights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, no lightsabers. Yeah, It's, well, I don't know. Kendo sticks? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, like, the chairs and the big burly men. Because that's, like, that outlaw identity is so much of what shapes. I don't like that. Yeah. But what um when I was thinking about okay what are we gonna say what what is pro wrestling what is it about it why is it that we love it what is that like that driving force that draws us back to it I was actually reading John Moxley who's a popular uh, wrestler uh, his autobiography came out recently and uh, and he actually defined it in a, in a I think a really appropriate way in his book he says wrestling can be anything it's everything. It's world-class athletes. It's Broadway, Shakespeare, summer blockbusters, best-selling novels, soap operas, high art. It's nobody's from nowhere finding a way to say to the world, F you. It's entertainment. It's movies. It's music. It's everything. In tights. In tights, yeah. Especially, well, in some well, he he actually doesn't wear tights. Oh, he wears so, jeans, yeah. Yeah, so actually, tights optional. Yeah, like, okay. B y o t or don't bring your own tights. Yeah, that was a very poetic description of what we basically just 
said it's a battle of good and evil or it's performances and stuntmen yeah so you're probably thinking it's fake fighting right that's what a lot of people unless you're in tune yeah, the like blood, the blood is ketchup yeah you're into the into the culture also spoilers the blood's not real in all the movies and tv shows that we watch but it's it real and wrestling is. yeah so maybe it's more real than some of the other things that we talk about here but at at its crux it is that like link said fight for good and evil it's storytelling it's character driven and the best way that i can put it is it's it's not a sport it's a show about a sport you know it's like when i watch rocky nobody goes this is so fake bro stallone cannot take this guy you know or rocky can't take this guy right because because you're kind of in and it's almost like when we talk about superheroes and to me it's superheroes you know it's larger than life doing things that like a regular normal person couldn't do but how did we get here like what is its origin so in order to talk about that i guess we need a little bit of background and i'm gonna do like a super crash course for those of you that may not be in tuned uh with the history of wrestling um and it's not gonna be sufficient enough to like really get an understanding but Professional wrestling comes out of the carnival tradition. And it's basically shows that they put on. Like you would come, you would go to basically the circus would be in town. And there were the games that, you know, you play. And um, they would put on these shows. And, and it wasn't, back in the day, they would pretend like it was real, right? So you were supposed to believe that it was real. And eventually that involved years, and you know, pass on. And when I was born... Um, I was at the tail end of a tradition known as the territory system. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Oh, I have, yeah. Yeah. What do you know about the territory system? It's, I mean, it's territories of different promotions, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, of wrestling promotions. Right. So the country was basically like split in different regions, yeah. and you had different companies that kind of controlled those regions. You had the North Wrestling uh, Alliance, the North American Wrestling Alliance, which was like a body that kind of a lot of the companies were a part of, but then you had like AWA, you had the WWWF um, in like... Three the, W's? Yeah, they used to be the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That was Vince uh, Sr.'s company. So if you guys know who Vince McMahon is, he's kind of like a big icon. And if you were alive in the 90s, you probably know who Vince McMahon is. Mm -hmm. Or if you're, you know, if you know the friends that he, the circles that he runs in. But, um, <laughs> but... Uh, he his father actually owned the company that he would eventually buy and it was the wwwf and, and they weren't part of the north american wrestling alliance the north wrestling alliance the nwa but they were like they would work together and all the regions kind of like work together but they all had their own regional champions and everything and it's actually vince jr who comes around the 80s around the time i was born in 84 and 84 is the first year of wrestlemania so i like to think that like the wwf tradition and me like they kind of like grow up together because in 84, he launches this, like, worldwide show, this the Super Bowl, right? If mm -hmm. you know about WrestleMania, and I don't know what your experiences have been with WrestleMania, but um, it's kind of like the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. And he buys up a lot of the talents, and he kind of unifies them. Um, over time, a lot of those territories kind of go out of business, and we start see the emergence of the national promotion. So for lack of time, I'm just going to, like, speed up to, like, me growing up. And I grew up, it was like Saturday morning cartoons. I was a kid. Wrestling is like what I used to basically live for. Because it was like this relationship between me and my father. And that's how I was introduced. How were you guys introduced to wrestling? Uh, you guys, my uncles, my family. I was uh, channel surfing when I was seven. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Why are men wearing tights wrestling? And what did you see? I think I was, it was The Rock. I saw The Rock there. Mm-hmm. And this is it was just the rock wrestling. I'm not sure who was who he was wrestling. I want to say Stone Cold, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. But the rock was there, and I'm like, okay, what is this? Why is and it just grabbed my attention. Yeah, it was probably some random jabroni building to a fight with Stone Cold, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. So my father introduced me to it, and I remember going to the Royal Rumble, like in I believe it was '92 here at the Miami Arena, rest really? in peace, Miami Arena. Yeah, and um, and I had like. A fake belt, like I, I didn't have a replica belt. I had a weightlifting belt 
that I bought WWF stickers from like one of those sticker machines. Also, yeah. rest in peace, sticker machines. And <laughs> for Rio now, they're so expensive. Yeah. And then I would just place the stickers on a weightlifting belt, and that was my championship, you know? And I didn't have like to buy a costume. So my dad was from New York, and I was born in New York. So there was this wrestler called the Brooklyn Brawler, and he was what is known as a jobber, which means he does the job. That means he puts over the other talent. So he's a loser, right? He loses all the time. But he was from Brooklyn. And he would wear a Yankee shirt. And I had a Yankee shirt. And he had, like, torn shoes because he was, like, a street fighter. And I had some torn shoes. So I put on my weightlifting belt and I went to my show. And I think that was, like, the moment where we were off to the races. And it was, like, going to Blockbuster, renting VHS tapes, you know, catching up on the history of uh, of WWF at the time. They dropped the W. Yeah, they, they dropped the W. When Vince bought it, they dropped the W. They were the World Wrestling instead of Worldwide Wrestling. And as you probably will remember, they'll eventually drop the F, too. It's probably because the internet took it. What? The World uh, Wide Web. I don't th- they no, they took the wide. <laughs> I don't think they took it like in 84 or 83 whenever he, Vince rebranded. No, they took it. That's my headcanon. Yeah. So there was a big promotion like in the early 2000s because it, it was a funny story, side story. Uh, Vince had an agreement with the World Wildlife Fund. You, you've seen like the pandas and stuff. WWF, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was really confused by like I'd see WWF commercials and it was just a bunch of pandas, and I was like, <laughs> "This animals, is a yeah. weird, this is a weird product to to it, throw into wrestling." It works, you know, the cross promotion. Like they just fight pandas. Like, <laughs> so basically, they had an agreement. Like, okay, you can be the WWF because the World Wildlife Fund had it first, but you can't operate outside of like North America, like the U.S. I believe. And then Vince was just like, nah, I'm going to do it though. So then the Panda people sued him and then he had to change the company to WWE. And then they had a big promotion that was like, get the F out. Wow. Which, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is kind of clever, the promotion, but also they forced you to do it because you lost. The, you know. <laughs> so you're the one that's getting out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to make, turn it into a positive, but that was the attitude era. And the attitude era was like in the late nineties. And we're okay, so WWF was like I said, like kind of Saturday morning cartoons and it was for kids and stuff and it wasn't super popular in like the early nineties. That was after like the Hulk Hogan boom, which I, I I grew up with as history, but I didn't like I wasn't around for it. You know, that was done around ninety two and it was a whole nother generation. But then the attitude era was like when it became mainstream, like super pop culture, which was Vince's goal the whole time. Like Hulk Hogan, rock and wrestling, you know, bringing in like pop stars and getting them on TV. That was like his goal. And he finally hit mainstream in the 90s. I don't know if you guys have memories of this stuff. Vaguely or too young? Vague, yeah, vaguely. Right. Well, this is the emergence of like Stone Cold, The the Rock, you know. And if, if you think about it, these guys are like – national like heroes now right like yeah. icons especially Dwayne Johnson yes you watch a bad bunny music video and they're stone cold <laughs> and Booker T and Booker T and the thing and so that's super funny because like probably this generation only knows these guys as people inside bad bunny music videos but like I only know who bad bunny is because of stone cold and Booker T yeah I don't I don't know the bad bunny songs I just know them oh that's the the song with Stone Cold. The song with Booker T. The song with Ric Flair. Yeah. Listen, Bad Bunny is a cultural phenomenon, and he's an undefeated wrestler. He so is. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's, wow, that's kind Well, of... didn't he get eliminated in the Royal Rumble? Was he in the Royal Rumble? Yeah. I don't no, I have no think idea. that's accurate. Oh, you just threw that out there. Yeah. No, nah, Bad Bunny has a better record than... Yeah, also, it's not a loss to get eliminated in the oh, room. Oh, it doesn't yeah, count yeah, to your yeah. loss record? I mean, that's literally so a guy throws you over the rope to the outside. Like, it's not, you didn't lose. You anything. got the F out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a lot of that today. So, uh, after that comes an era that's not as popular. Like, it kind of wanes. It stops. Like, everything, like, it comes, it goes out of fashion. And that's like the ruthless aggression era. And this is where I come in. This yeah. is where I start watching wrestling, which is like the late 90s, early 2000s. Like I said, like I was channel surfing one day and I'm like, what is this? Why? Who is this guy and is wearing black underwear? His name's The Rock. Very charismatic, very electrifying. And ever since then, I start watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I grew up watching what you call the ruthless aggression era. Right. Which is uh, I don't want to I don't know specifically what time it is. I think it starts like. 
After Stone Cold's, yeah, it's about yeah. 2001. Like, after Stone Cold retires, The Rock's still there for a little bit. Yeah. But it's kind of like the passing of the torch. To... He's, like, already in Raw. He's not in SmackDown. Exactly. And it's more like, now the generation's going to be, like, the John Cena, the Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So that's when I come win, right? And one thing about me, because you'll never tell, because you could only hear my voice, is that I'm not the tallest person ever. I'm short. I'm, like, five, five and a half, depending on the shoe. I'm five, six. And one, and I was always the shortest person in my class, right? Right. But one thing I loved about wrestling is that there was this wrestler. He was a luchador from Mexico. His name was Rey Mysterio, and this and this guy was literally like five two, five three, right? And as a, the smallest person in my class for like, I a think good, he's five four, but he gets like shoot taller. I know he was five three in WCW supposedly. And maybe he, keeps, he grew. Yeah, he. I don't think he grows like as an adult, but he keeps growing in stats. I think. So he grew right <laughs> a little bit, but like I said, I was the shortest person in my class for like ten years, mm-hmm. and while I was channel surfing, I was, I discovered that my friends also watched it. Right. So we would call each other on the phone every Thursday night to watch SmackDown on UPN channel thirty three. Ooh, rest in peace, rest UPN. in peace, UPN. <laughs> We're mourning a lot of losses yeah. today. <laughs> And I would I remember I'd be talking to my best friend McGarley. We'd be on the phone talking about what we were just watching, right? And then we'd hang up at 10 because that's when it would end. And then the next day at school on Friday, we would talk about it again. And we would talk about it the whole week. And I remember I would always t- be talking about this wrestler named Ray Mysterio because he was so short. But he was a very – he was just electrifying in my opinion. Very He used a lot of high-flying moves, uh, you know, moves where you're on the air doing backflips, front flips. Yeah, a lot uh, of acrobatics. Acrobatics, exactly. That's a lucha, luchador, lucha libre style, mm-hmm. right? And during that era, it's also where you get people like Eddie Guerrero, who was already there, but this is where, where, where he starts to become popular. And you have him. You have, like you said, Brock Lesnar. Kurt Angle comes from the winning the Olympics. He comes to SmackDown. You have Rob Van Dam, Edge. The SmackDown 6, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, John Cena's also coming up. Uh, Undertaker's becoming a legend. Uh, his brother Kane is uh, is also there, mm-hmm. so that's the era I grew up with in watching wrestling. And I remember it was from third grade all the way to fifth grade, mm-hmm. because when I in fifth grade they should switch the the day of wrestling from Thursday to Friday, right? And I should stop watching. Like I had stuff to do on Friday, yeah. And that's when I stopped watching wrestling. Like I I would keep up with it. Like people would tell me, and like I would watch big shows like WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble and and. What's the one in summer? SummerSlam. SummerSlam, right. But that's it. Like, I wouldn't keep up with it as I was watching it before, like, weekly. Yeah. That's super funny that you mentioned that you stopped watching when, like, the time, the night uh, changed. That happened to me all throughout, because I'm a lifetime wrestling fan. And that happened to me all throughout, where it would be like, oh, this show's on cable now. And, like, I didn't have cable at that time. Yeah, that's why I never watched Raw, because I didn't grow up with cable. Right. uh, SmackDown was always on So, I remember when we first got AOL, uh, you had, like... You had to dial up, and you had, like, the limited hours, and they had hubs. Like, AOL had their own channels, and it would be, like, me downloading pictures. And, like, for those of you growing up now who don't remember what this was like, downloading a picture took, like, 20 minutes. And it would just be, like, click, click, click. And when I first did it, I didn't even know that they saved to your computer. So I would re-download the same picture over and over again just to watch them. But it would be, like... I only would read what happened and see pictures and make up the stories in my mind because I had no no idea what was going on. And it's like so many times that happens, a channel will change, the night will change or something, and then you lose people. Yeah. That's what happened to me. You lost me. You switched the channel. You lost my friends as well because everyone just had stuff to do on Friday nights. And we just stopped talking about wrestling and mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> well, it's funny too. Like we stopped talking about wrestling and we kind of grew, like, grew apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was wrestling that was a, Drew you together. It was a, yeah, it was a driving force to our relationship. Yeah. But that was my – that's how I like got into wrestling. And later on I go back at it and we'll t- I'll talk about that later. But that's how I start with wrestling. Yeah. That social aspect is also super important. Like not just loving a thing but having someone to share it with. Yes. What about you, Gabe? Yeah, I definitely think that that social aspect is what got me into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, since I was very young when when I started watching, it was mostly because of um, you guys, like my uncles and and my grandpa. And I remember, I remember watching a lot of The Rock, a lot of Stone Cold. Um, the one that really captive like captivated me was um, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and all time great. And he was just he was just incredible to watch. 
him and the rock i think are the ones that like really kept me in it and then the the other wrestlers that had their like pretty um memorable um i want to say gimmicks but like who their personas yeah like mm -hmm. undertaker and kane his brother and i, I mean remember... those are definitely gimmicks <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah those those like those types of personas those gimmicks are kind of was like man this is really interesting to me because obviously as a kid like you don't want to kind of subjugate your kids to like violence and that sort of even right. though um that's kind of like how it came up to me how i kind of like i was watching it for a while and then i kind of stopped watching it just kind of because my my parents were just kind of like mm, we don't want you watching this mm -hmm. grown men attacking each other and brutally beating each other and stuff like that you know bleeding you know and that kind of like at first it was kind of like okay yeah yeah sure sure and then rebellious me as soon as either of my parents left the house i'm turning on reruns of raw or something like that yeah and but i definitely think that the social aspect of of my my family watch it was a family thing for me really got me into it and and like link said i think a part of how i came out of it was growing up i just had different priorities um the things i was interested in started to change and i remember i think i grew up one time and then someone kind of just kind of dropped the bomb where it was like they used the f word oh oh no yeah that's Ooh, the rock the rock's gonna get mad if you yeah, say it that's um that's a banned word here i don't know if we can say that i won't but no i mean i think you need to provide context for the listeners no i think it's just i think it's just, i'm just kidding yeah it's, it's not it's not the curse word it's it's, it's, it's not, not the, the f word it's yeah, the yeah. other f word um which is probably worse in wrestling circles yeah. um i guess we can say it context-wise it makes sense yeah, yeah exactly yeah, i was so explaining it yeah, like when I you explain told... it to a child like this is a bad word and you're not supposed to say it <laughs> yeah so i was told or i don't know how i found out but somehow it, it was the the bomb dropped on me that wrestling was fake Oof. that none of it was real that they were basically kind of just like performing that i think what really pretending to fight is that how it was described yeah, exactly, to yeah like none of it's real like oh like that's ketchup that's not yeah. basically yeah yeah and I think what it broke doesn't me, hurt. I think what broke me was when I found out that Kane and Undertaker weren't actually brothers. <laughs> that part, I was just like, "Wait, what? Yeah, he's not from hell. Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? I was so sure. What do you mean? The past like six people that Undertaker buried alive, they're not dead. No, their contracts just expired. <laughs> <laughs> they got rebranded. <laughs> so I think after that, like, I kind of just um. I kind of stopped until later on, which we will get to. Yeah, that's super funny because I had a similar situation with Edge and Christian. Because when they first came out, they're like, these two brothers from Toronto, they're brothers, they're close, they're friends. Like, over the years, it was like, wait, are they, bro wait, are they brothers or are they not brothers? They're not brothers, okay? They're just like... like adolescent friends they're like childhood friends but then then i didn't believe that either i was like that's a lie too can't no it's actually true though no it's like me and link how we convinced the world that we were cousins oh yeah in my heart we are kayfabe kayfabe <laughs> and then somehow like that ended up changing into link actually being my my uncle-in-law yeah that's actually technically it's just easier to explain cousin than say uncle -in -law. yeah 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 oh my sister is married to his uncle yeah so you mentioned that it was fake or pretend, and that's kind of some of the um, hangups or the concepts that people have about it. And I think it's funny because we run in these circles and like we've been around, quote unquote, the industry for so many years that it's like second nature to us. But there's still a lot of people out there. I, I see my, uh, my kids at school argue about how, whether it's real or not. And uh, to me, it was always like a show. It was always choreographed. I guess my dad, quote unquote, smartened me up like really early. Yeah. And life is like, this is not real. But what is real is like the toughness, right? What's real is a lot of the injuries, um, just the physicality of it. Yes, it's coordinated. Yes, it's choreographed. But so much of the risk inherently and kind of the pain threshold of it. And you don't. You can't really understand it unless you've tried it for yourself, which, like, in a sense, I think any fan eventually does try it. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are your experiences with that? Oh, so like I said, when I was in elementary school watching SmackDown meet with my friends, we would, during recess, we would go to the playground and wrestle. 
<laughs> and that's what we did. We would just wrestle, but none of us would were brave enough to actually do some of the moves on each other. Like, right. no one ever did a suplex or anything like that. Oh. Because I guess we weren't strong enough, and mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't know how to do it properly. But it was just us pretty much rolling with mm. each other, and it was boring. But for us, it felt like it was WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point, I feel like I kind of took it further because I would yeah. do it with, obviously, with you guys at mm-hmm. home. Just We would just, like, wrestle each other. And... I kind of took that to school one time. Right. I had just gotten like a digital camera and I don't know why this was, I don't even know. Like I'm just remembering this now was I set up the digital camera in the cafeteria of our school and I basically started a Royal Rumble. I had a bunch of classmates and then people just kind of tagged along when they saw us, we were doing. Yeah. And we were basically just like fighting each other. Like obviously like, like play fighting, but like some of it, we were actually like throwing each other around I remember specifically there was one point where it was just chaos. People were yeah. fighting, mm-hmm. and then and you can see me in the corner of the shot, and I wish I still had that video, but you can see me in the corner of the shot, and I just complete like I don't know why I just speared one of my one of my really good friends into like <laughs> into, it wasn't like an actual wall, it was kind of like tarp ish, yeah, like the sides, uh huh, and and I remember like I would just replay that shot on the cam, the digital camera, like for so for such a long time, like I really can't believe I did this. And it, like, there's just a ton of different stories that I have like that, where it's kind of just like, we kind of take on this wrestling approach to, um, let's say the performances, I guess. Right. And I realized, I didn't realize that until now it kind of just clicked how, I mean, wrestling did have an effect on like me as a kid, just wanting to like put on a basic quote unquote show. Uh huh. And, and yeah. And I mean, there's other experiences, I guess, with this show that I think you have a better, uh light to shit on yeah it's funny because like you said like it just came flooding in and it was like oh man i have like 15 of them but i think it just all starts like intramural period uh so some of the kids read some of the kids take a long lunch some of the kids work out in the gym we went straight to the mats and like the you know athletic director guys get off the mats now we're practicing our gymnastics oh, okay <laughs> it was a different time you know so uh it, it was a lot of that and i'll remember there was like a fall festival, right? Where they had like everyone coming in and they had a big bounce house. And we're like, you have to pay to get on the bounce house. And we're like, if we can like block off an hour of time on the bounce house, we buy every slot that hour, <laughs> we can just have matches and like we'll plan them and we'll have our finishes and everything. And then people started congregating during the hour. Right, and then we started getting like really complicated with it. We're like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna pin them, but then this third person's gonna run in and interfere. Like we started doing our our like all our our like storyline plots, and then the attendant at the bounce is like, you can't jump in. There's two people inside, <laughs> and then they're like, all right, your hour's up, and they're like, oh, we didn't get to the finals because we had bracketed a tournament. I don't know how this happened during the course of the, the hour, and then we're like, oh, there's still four guys in the tournament. We have to have a four way. And they're like, I bet there's no one in the music room anymore. So we go up to the music room and we just destroyed the music room. Like we, everybody was just like, I remember tackling someone through uh, like an aluminum trash can and it just like, like just compressing. And I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done. By the way, I love how this school that we all went to just (laughs) randomly had wrestling weapons just lying around in different departments yeah absolutely not not me i'm a purist i don't like wrestling (laughs) that's true when i did my federation with my friends it was all it was all our bodies yeah ladies and gentlemen elitist link (laughs) (laughs) that's funny too because there's when we talk about wrestling being everything i could show you 10 wrestling matches and not one of them would be the same yeah like there's the hardcore style, which is those like weapons, like no rules. Link is like shaking his head and putting like a grimace on his face right now. Then there's like the like mat based technician, which is like either like Olympic style amateur wrestling or it can be like MMA, like ground grappling, jujitsu. Is that your style, Link? Yeah, I prefer anything other than that's not hardcore. <laughs> Elitist Link. Yeah. No, I just don't like hardcore, man. Yeah, you're just, you're just it what looks like you're squeamish. It hurts these people, yeah. <laughs> Blood, thumbtacks. It all hurts, though. It all hurts. Bar- bar- bob- barbed wire. Yeah, but you like a superplex off, like, six-foot turnbuckle yeah. into plywood. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, and then there's a high flying, like you mentioned, Lucha Libre. It's regional, too. It's like Japan has their own tradition. Japan, England has their own tradition. Mm -hmm. Mexico has Mexico. their own tradition, you know. Even even American and Canadian styles, which are similar, they're, they're distinct, you know. And it's funny because so much of this, of, of our interests, what we like, um, it comes in waves. And I don't know about you, but for me, it definitely... Like, there's periods where I'm really, really, really hot into it, and there's periods where I'm really, really cold. And usually it had to do with, like, the leader in the industry, which is, you know, World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, WWE. Yeah, when everyone thinks about wrestling, they think about WWE. You know, they think about The Rock, John Cena, you know, whoever is famous now. Probably most people can't tell you anyone. But l there's been an emerging league, a new league, that's on the horizon. That's kind of caught our attention and kind of like rejuvenated our passion for it. Can you guys tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So like I said, I watched wrestling from like third grade to fifth or sixth grade. And I stopped watching it because they switched days. And I, in my opinion, the product did not get better. It got worse. Mm -hmm. um, so I just stopped watching it. But there was a time, I think it was 2012, right? Uh-huh. That WrestleMania decided to come. I mean, WWE decided to do WrestleMania in Miami. Yeah. Now, what happens is when WrestleMania comes to the city, smaller promotions take their shows to that city because that's where the hardcore fans are going to be at, mm -hmm. right? So they make money that 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 weekend, WrestleMania yeah. weekend, it's and they big, come from all over. They come from all over, all over the, world, the country, yes. all over the world. Yeah. So I think it was was it 2012? Yeah, or I 2000, Yeah, 2012. Yeah. yeah, WrestleMania came to Miami, and so did all so did other small promotions, right? And the small promotions, like those, their tickets are not, they're, they're cheap. Yeah, much, they're right? cheap. Like 20, yeah. 20 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I went with George right. and my brother and other people, like my sister as well. We went to watch, a, it was a Dragon's Gate Dragon's USA, Gate, right? Dragon's Gate USA, yeah. And like I said, I grew up watching WWE, but the wrestling here in this promotion was different. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was comedy. But at the same time, it was more acrobatic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away by some of these wrestlers. Like, there was this guy named Claudio Castagnoli, mm -hmm. who's now Cesaro in WWE. There was Pac, uh, who's Adrian Neville in WWE. And there was this one guy named El Generico, which is, his gimmick was pretty much that he was a generic luchador from Mexico, but the guy was actually Canadian. Mm -hmm. So his Spanish is like a broken Spanish. And I don't know why I started to gravitate towards this El Generico character. Yeah. Right. So I, I, after this match, after watching this, we I start watching. Uh, I start watching like some of the smaller independent promotions where these guys are from. And this is 2012. We start, I start watching that. And we start, we, and then from there, what happens is that WWE starts decides to pick up some of these, lo, like these independent talents mm -hmm. to this to this uh, promotion that they have called NXT. That's right. Yeah. And they ended up picking up people like. Uh, Tyler Black, who later becomes uh, Seth Rollins, uh, John Moxley, who later becomes uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, El Generico becomes Sami Zayn. So a lot of these people, a lot of these independent talents ended up coming to WWE and for this brand called NXT, which is different from SmackDown and Raw. Now, when this happened, when my favorite wrestler got picked up by WWE, I started watching NXT. And they had WWE had their own network, right? Where they would uh, just have NXT. And I remember George and I would watch it weekly. Was it every Wednesday? Yeah, it was every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we'd watch it. And I was in college by this time, but I would always text George, hey, did you watch NXT and mm -hmm. stuff like that? We'd watch it, right? But because of that night in, in WrestleMania in Miami, I got really interested. We all, I think us got, really, we, George and I got really interested in independent wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Now, What's going on right now, why there is a new league, it's because a lot of these independent wrestlers that were in that 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 were there in Miami, they ended up they started to become a little bit more popular little by little, right? Yeah. Uh also with the rise of YouTube and be, people being able to share their own uh creating their vlogs and these wrestlers got more popular. An example of these 
these wrestlers that I'm referring to are the Young Bucks. They're a tag team from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Mm. Best, I, I would love to live there just because I love that name, <laughs> but it's terribly hot. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they start, they start doing their thing. They start tearing it up in the independent scene, right? And then they have their friends, Kenny Omega, who is here in the States, but then sometimes he's in Japan in this promotion called New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And with their little vlog called uh, Being the Elite, they should start, like, in popularizing wrestling yeah to the point where it got so big that these stars themselves got so big and they their friends ended up becoming so big that they grabbed the attention of a billionaire called tony khan tony khan his father is i don't know serge khan no uh uh it's not shao khan that's the mortal kombat character yeah shad 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 khan, khan right this wow, guy that's is actually a, really close though yeah this guy is the owner of the jacksonville jaguars he's an, also the owner of a premier league in england i don't know what uh, gabriel fulham I've fulham whatever that means <laughs> it's a name are they full of ham i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so this guy actually has money right and yeah. this guy what he does is that he he contacts these people the young bucks kenny omega uh, Cody Rhodes and he tells him hey I want to start a promotion and I have the money to back it up because by this time they have different promotions right Right. but they're all independent they are not competi they are not WWE's competition yeah. WWE does not have to worry about them because they don't have they're not billionaires right so and, and just to point that out so Tony Khan is a fan I mean just like hardcore fan yeah like one of us probably more one of us <laughs> but so it, we talked about the reason I gave the background on the territory system is because the independent system ends up being a lot like a resurgence of the yes. territory system. And over the like 2000s, in the wake of the death of WCW, which we didn't even talk about that, World Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW, these were like, the WCW was like the head-to-head -head rival with WWF and ECW was kind of like, I don't know, like the indie label, right? The yeah, like renegade. NX, NXT of it. Right. So um, when they collapsed, Throughout the 2000s, we had emergence like Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was a company that was really like counterculture. TNA. Yeah, in the early 2000s. And then TNA, which would then be known later as Impact Wrestling. And it was kind of like the P super indie. Yeah. Oh, you in know? my opinion, the super indie is PWG. Okay, yeah. Pro okay. Wrestling Guerrilla's promotion in California, where a lot of these talents that I'm talking about, Kenny Omega, um, the Young Bucks, even people that are in WWE right now, like Daniel Bryan and yeah. CM Punk, they all, okay, I'm not sure about CM Punk. They all wrestled in PWG, and this is where they were before they got to WWE. Right. And this is where they became popular. Yeah. And a lot of these wrestlers that were in this PWG ended up getting con – well, I guess the main, the three main I told you, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega yeah. and Cody, they ended up getting contacted by this billionaire called Tony Khan. That's right. And he, like George was saying, he's a hardcore wrestling fan, grew up with it, and he has a vision for it, right? And not mm -hmm. only does he have a vision for it, he has the money to back it up. So he contacts the Young Bucks. He contacts Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes. And he he shares his vision he has with them of a promotion called All Elite Wrestling. This is what? Early 2017 when they start talking, uh -huh. right? And in 2019, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, has its first show on TNT. And this was, what, 2019 is two years ago, right? Yeah. So this was two years, two, two years ago. And it, it's a promotion that was started pretty much by indie talent. Like mm -hmm. the most popular name they got at the time was Chris Jericho. Right. Who was like a legend. Who's like a legend, yeah. Arguably <laughs> go rock star. Yeah. yeah. So they got Chris Jericho uh, to believe in this vision and they got him. And from there, they started this promotion and little by little, they started acquiring talent. And it's gotten to the point where they are so good that they they beat. WWE in ratings in the in the right demographic, which I'm not sure. Right, not sure. overall. And that's another thing that's like a deep dive. People yeah. who are into wrestling, they get really into the weeds of it. So we're talking about like TV demographics. But yeah, the target demo, yeah, yeah they beat them. Not yeah, overall. They're not, not as big not overall. As popular. Right. But the target, like the one that matters, like 18 to 49. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that they, makes sense because that's all I see on Twitter. Now that I yeah. got back into wrestling, all wrestling Twitter is just demos this demos i'm like what is a demo like demo god like jericho like <laughs> yeah well that's why he's the demo god he came up with that nickname because his segments were getting the highest demo hits 
in, you, on the show. You see, I just learned that right now. <laughs> I have heard yeah. so many people call him the demo god, and I'm like, that's, that's just his name. Like, okay, he's just a really, Is he the demigod? Yeah. Is he the, I was just yeah, like, I, I mean, Demolition Man, I guess he's a really big fan of the movie. <laughs> but that make, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it's, okay, so kind of to talk a little cross-cultural here, we talk about TV a lot here. We look at total ratings, but in reality, uh, like television statements, I'm sorry, television stations, they look at ad buy revenue and they sort those by the demo, 18 to 49. These are the people that spend the most money. This is the glut of your audience. They may not be the most overall, but they're the ones that people or companies rather are willing to pay advertising money to target so when you actually when you actually rate shows when you see the ratings come in it's not who got eight million seven million six million five million it's who got a million and a half one million uh you know seven hundred and fifty thousand in the key demo that's that's the number that they're sorted by yeah, the key demo is the one that matters yeah yeah so that's what aew's been killing it in the dem demographics and not only that they were doing so well that it this and not they do so well this, the wrestling is awesome. Yeah. The storytelling makes sense. They're mm. not trying to make you feel like an idiot. Right. <laughs> like WWE does. But this not only attracts the viewers, it attracts other wrestlers. Right. So we're at this point where right now, just recently, CM Punk, who was arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, mm -hmm. and Daniel Bryan, who, who was in the indies along with CM Punk, they now come back. I guess I don't want to say they they came back to the indies because AEW isn't the indies. Right. They they legit can't. It's compete. on national television. National television, right? It's... And they have the money to back them up to compete yeah. against WWE. Yeah. But they come back to this, and they're just destroying it. So not only does is AEW stealing viewers, but now they're taking some of WWE's best wrestlers. Right. And it might get to the point where they're going to take more wrestlers because the wrestlers in WWE aren't satisfied there. I, and I want to talk a little bit about the frustrations that you kind of uh, hinted at there. I'm not here to bash WWE. I am. <laughs> okay, yes, Link is. Elitist Link. I'm uh, I'm not here to bash anyone. I just like good wrestling. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but I think that some of the fans, there's a frustration with, like, the creative direction of WWE. And I feel like it happens, like like I mentioned, our fandom comes in waves probably because of the creative direction, kind of has these highs and these lows. And we're arguably in a low point of creativity. They're making more money than ever. And it's kind of put them in a creative rut. It's a lot of what they do is confusing, uh, directionless, uh, the product is polished. It's beautiful. Everything you they spend money yeah, like crazy. It looks, it looks great. Yeah, presentation uh, is you know top notch, but the narrative drive is missing there. So maybe it's kind of like the presentation took center stage instead of the actual Pretty quality. Much. Yeah, I'd say they're basically like the Fast and the Furious. They of sold professional out. Wrestling. I mean, one might argue that yeah, that they sold out, or and maybe it they you know they provide a service for an audience that just isn't the audience that they had been servicing in years past. Um, What about you, Gabe? So this new league, Link touched upon where we are now, these big jumps or returns to the industry. And I don't know if you can capture like how significant. It's a whole history getting into who CM Punk is, who Brian Danielson is. But what kind of drew you to it uh, now, today, in 2011? I mean, 21. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm living in the past. Am I graduating what, high school? Am I, am I still in Guam? 2021. All right. So I think for me, when I when I got the whole F-bomb drop, I kind of steered away from wrestling, you know, on social media, like with the rise of social media um, became, becoming so prevalent every once in a while. Um like, I wasn't watching wrestling at all, like, on TV or anything. So, sometimes on social media, like, the highlights would pop up. Like, some old wrestler came back. Um, Undertaker was still fighting and stuff like that. So, every now and then, I'd see people that had left, like, big stars that had left, come back, a surprise return, and stuff like that. I'd see the highlights. I'd see the, the big stuff that happened, but I really wouldn't follow along. And because most of the time, I feel like the identity that I had in wrestling 
was based off of what you guys would say. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that you guys were still really big fans. I had kind of departed. I went my own way. I decided I, I pursued different sports like soccer and things like that. Um, so my wrestling identity was kind of in you guys. Like right. I just trusted what you'd say. If you recommended something, I'd check it out. But but not really. I really didn't search for it on my own. Yeah, and just and a caution to our listeners. Remember that your fandom is important because people depend on you to make their opinions. So much of what we say shapes. Like, I know I'm the resident geek where, like, people are like, hey, this movie, what you think? Is it good? Should I go watch yeah. it? You know? Yeah, no, for sure. So, like, that's what you guys were for me in the wrestling world. And so... I guess once I started coming, um, I came back to, I moved back to Miami Mm -hmm. and I was able to obviously spend time, more time with my family, with you guys. And all I remember was, this was a couple of months ago as well. Mm -hmm. You guys were raving about this new, this new company, AEW. And I wasn't so like sold onto getting into wrestling again. It was just kind of like, oh, just thinking the past thing. Like, I just thought it was more of a phase. You moved on. Yeah. Like you guys were still into it and that's cool. And I mean, there was sometimes where wrestling's forever. <laughs> I would come, I would come over, and like you guys were watching wrestling, and like yeah, I was, I was nice to spend time with you guys, but I really wasn't interested. Uh-huh. And then sometimes I would be like, oh, that's that's interesting, but really wouldn't give it a second look. And then, and then there was this one time where I watched AEW with you guys, the show of AEW, and I can't, I can't remember who f- exactly fought, but it was, it was a dynamite, it was a dynamite taping, and I was just, I was like, man. This is actually really cool. Match after match, I was just like, that was really sick. Because I think I realized, like, I'd gotten over the the whole F-bomb, the whole F-word thing where I was like, no, these people are throwing themselves. These mm-hmm. people are hitting them. These people are getting hit. That's not that's not ketchup. That's right. real blood. And it was just... It's it was, John Wick. It was so entertaining to watch. It was so captivating to mm-hmm. watch. And after that, I was like, oh, maybe I should give it another shot. Mm-hmm. And so little by little, I would I would come over and watch some stuff. I'd look I look I do my due diligence sometimes on the internet, and then and then there was a couple of matches where like I saw the Young Bucks, and they, like they had a match, and I remember I was like, man, these guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. These guys are absolutely incredible. And then came the big pay per view, which was which by that time I would, I'd kind of been getting into it. We we went to a show I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was kind of like, this is more than just, this is more than just kind of watching because you guys are telling me to watch. This is more of like, I'm interested. I want to watch this. Uh-huh. This is quality wrestling. This is the stuff that like I, I liked as a kid. And even then, like once like the, those couple of weeks that happened, there was like a dynamite show and then there was the pay-per-view um, all out, I believe. Right. Yeah. All out happened. And once that happened, like CM Punk had come a, a couple of weeks before and CM Punk for me, like I hadn't watched him wrestle a lot, but I knew his name. Mm-hmm. He was that big that like I knew who he was. And his fallout with the industry was huge. Like, yeah, dude, so many people they might not have known who CM Punk was, but they knew that he walked away from WWE when he was on top, and that it was a nasty divorce to say the least. Exactly. And then, and I think when he when he came out, I remember seeing that. Like, I remember seeing a video of it because I didn't watch it live. Mm-hmm. But even watching a video of it was. It gave me chills. Like, the stadium was going crazy, and it was just... It was incredible to watch, I think, in my opinion. And then came all out. And that was... That whole entire show was just fantastic. If, if you ever have a chance to watch, I I really recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so after these past, like, these past couple of weeks, months, um, it kind of, AEW sold me on it. It's quality wrestling week in and week out, and, and I'm in it now for long. I, I see... I see where you guys... What you guys I see how you see it. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just I'm glad that it's paying out now because it's been years of like, oh man, this is yeah, this is kind of boring. And it's yeah, always in like in the background. Even if it was in the main thing. Yeah, you it's would always like, there. Say, oh, I should check this I'm, show out. I should watch. Yeah, that. like I'd watch some shows. Like, all right, check this guy out. Check wrestlers out. But now I'm so it's the product is so good mm-hmm. that I'm not even embarrassed to say that I'm a wrestling fan. Like before, like I wouldn't tell other people. Like I should mention wrestling stuff to you guys. Yeah, and go ahead. Yeah, like I went to Comic Con this year in New York, the New York City Comic Con, and I went to it. They had an AEW panel, and I no shame. I tagged, I brought my friends along. I, I was like, "Listen, I'm going to this panel. You can come with me or not." But like, this is it's like a part of me. It's yeah. a part of who I am now. 
You know what I think is super funny? And there's this old, like, Roddy Piper, who was also a wrestler, movie called They Live, where you, like, put on the glasses and you can see, like, who the, like, invaders are or whatever. Mm. And I think when you're a wrestling fan, it's like putting on the glasses because you might have gone to Comic-Con and not even noticed the wrestling presence if you weren't looking for it. You know, you're like, who's that guy? That guy's weird. I don't know. There's a panel going on uh, with these letters. I don't, you know. And But now you, like, see it everywhere. Like, if you're in tune in the conversation, you see, you know, the references to it. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, like, when when we went to that show early on, uh, I know there was like a wrestler, Malachi Black, who had just come and he debuted that night, like in Miami. And that's been kind of like the influx of talent that's been coming. Either their contracts expired or, you know, they asked for their release or from, they were from released. WWE. Yeah, from WWE to, to um, AEW. And it's like exciting because it's, it's a new league mm-hmm. and like you can see big players coming. It's attracting top talent. Each of us has, like, a different perspective. I know you're a big sports guy, and I know, like, those, like, talent exchanges and big moves is, like, a big part of the fandom. Yeah, no, this was a crazy time, I think, with all the transfers, all the moves, and and a lot of different sports. I mean, me being a a huge soccer football fan, um, the two, arguably the two best players of all time switched their long, like, switched from teams. Messi and and Ronaldo had had left big, big moves. And this was really coinciding with um, Brian Danielson mm-hmm. going to AW, uh, Adam Cole going to AW. There was so many different, like there was so much like traffic that it's yeah. like, wow, this is really weird. Like my new world of wrestling and my familiar old world of soccer mm-hmm. were kind of like, and different different sports as yeah. well were kind of like coming in, coming together. Yeah. And it was like it was really exciting. And and it's funny that you said that two biggest stars because to me Danielson and Punk. That's who they are. They're the biggest stars, arguably, of this generation. I would argue that they're in the conversation for all time. I've I've flown to New York. Obviously, New York is awesome. I have family there, visiting over there. But, like, I knew I was going to New York. I was like, I'm going to a Ring of Honor event to see Brian Danielson, like, pre-WWE. Like, CM Punk. I was following these guys wherever they went, yeah. their trajectory. These are, these are all-time greats. And it's funny because that's where we're at now. AEW is emergent. It's growing. There's a changing landscape there. But with that, with the growth, also kind of comes decay or or kind of shifts in priorities in other areas. Um, you know, talents leaving WWE. Now they have the job of, like, developing their own. Link mentioned that NXT uh, used to be the place where, like, these independent wrestlers would go to get national exposure. Now they're going to AW or they're leaving NXT to go to AW. So they've kind of rebranded NXT and it's NXT 2.0. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this. What do you know? Do you know anything about this? I hate WWE. I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like we're like two sides of the coin on here. Right. Um, I, I remember I went to a couple of NXT shows with you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. The good old days. Yeah. And then, well, to my knowledge, WWE bought them? No, no. They were always... They were always so, the, basically, okay. NXT was WWE's answer to Ring of Honor and the independence. It's like, okay, you guys like that kind of wrestling? Here. We're, okay. Yeah, we're going to create this little division okay. where we do that. Get them ready for our TV show. We'll put it on the network. And that's a whole other conversation, yeah. the network. Streaming before it was big, WWE went all in like really early on. Yeah. And it paid off for them. Yeah, so, I mean... Aside from that, um, I just heard that kind of WWE is kind of revamping NXT, right? And they were kind of bringing, they were doing some different things. Mm-hmm. But to my knowledge, I think you you can shed shed, shed some more light on it. Yeah, it, I just, it sucks. Okay, you haven't even seen it, man. <laughs> you have to see. I, it. I've 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 tuned in sparingly. It's different. It's it's definitely. I would say. 2.0, even though it's really like NXT like 3.0 or 4.0, but 2.0 is really kind of like, I hate to use the negative term, but like the death of what we knew as NXT and kind of the rebirth of a new direction, it's not one I'm terribly like interested in. I know they're trying to move away from talent like the one in an AEW, and if anything, it's a shame because it's pushing me further apart yeah. from them. And And the other side of this new landscape is Ring of Honor. You know, this is a hot, like topic right now ring of honor is where so much of the talent came from you know the last 10 years 20 years yeah yeah yeah, 20 you're right because it's not 2011 it's 2021 it's not yeah i was confused about that it's funny they they were popular in around 2000 
two. I mean, that, not yeah. that they were popular, but that's where people like CM Punk, yeah, Daniel, Brian Daniels, and then they AJ had that Styles. resurgence yeah. when they had the Young Bucks the and young Cody Bucks, Rhodes, yeah. and they like everything that AEW is was happening in, in Ring of, of Honor. Honor, yeah. And they, I hate to say, they dropped the ball, but you know they weren't able to capitalize on that. You know they weren't able to invest further, and now they're kind of restructuring. Um, basically, they've released everyone from their contracts. They're gonna try the super indie um approach we'll see how that goes but basically ring of honor as we knew it know it is also done um so it's funny because things are changing and when we decided to do this topic for this episode um i really didn't think we'd be talking about this this early on wrestling's always been on the table it's always been a big part of it but it's like as i mentioned at the beginning such a niche product i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right such a niche product niche niche no i don't think that's right elitist link okay (laughs) such a niche product that i was like oh we really have to like earn our ethos with the audience before we touch upon something like that before they're willing to listen to us for like about an hour talk about that but now's the time to talk about it because if you if you if you're not into it now's the time to get in on the ground floor because it's the hottest sports entertainment thing in the world that's right that's right so in order to kind of wrap up our discussion, I want to ask you guys, what's your Mount Rushmore? And by Mount yeah. Rushmore, you mean, you know, obviously the, yeah. the monument here in the United States in North Dakota where, like, they have the presidents. Like, I'm not sure why they chose those specific that's presidents. A, that's a deep cut. It's in North Dakota. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could don't, say that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh. I, <laughs> elitist, South Dakota. Elitist I, link dropping knowledge. I think it's in North Dakota. It could be South Dakota. I don't know. There's, there's no reason why I would ever be there. But, yeah, so when we talk about your wrestling Mount Rushmore, it's like your top four favorite wrestlers of all time, like who, who you think are the GOATs. Um, so for me, my top four – like I like I mentioned earlier, growing up, I I used to love this luchador called Rey Mysterio. So okay. In my opinion, Rey Mysterio is in my top. He's he's the greatest luchador of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he's he's in my Mount Rushmore. After that comes, in my opinion, the greatest Hispanic wrestler of all time, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Um, I don't think people understand what Eddie Guerrero me- means to the Hispanic community. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Much in the same way Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I think might be maybe even more. I think so. Um, I remember when Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar for the for the belt, mm-hmm. how crazy They're everyone wild. went. Yeah. And then the next time, like, they had SmackDown and he came down, like, everyone just went crazy for Eddie. Like, And not only was he just a, a charismatic person, mm-hmm. but he's, like, a great wrestler. Yeah, like, absolutely. A great technical wrestler, knew how to tell a story, was hilarious. And I think those two men brought Lucha Libre, the Mexican yes, tradition. Yes. To mainstream audiences. Yes. So to me, those two are. I love those two. Um, from there, I go to Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. Like, I un, I was not fortunate enough to be watching ROH when you were watching it. Mm-hmm. I was probably ten. Yeah. Um, but in college, once I started watching NXT, all I did was go. I would go to YouTube. And I, <laughs> I would be in the cafeteria of my of my college and just be by myself in a table watching like ROH matches with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Oh, Brian Danielson, I'm sorry. And I just, yeah, I just fell in love with, with Brian Danielson. Not only is he an amazing wrestler, I mean, he might be the greatest. I think he might be the best wrestler at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just an overall great guy. Like, his character really attracts me. Like, man, I want to hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. And then the per- the last person in my wrestling Mount Rushmore is Sami Zayn slash El Generico. He is a person that brought me back into wrestling. Yeah. And I think he's a great lucha, great wrestler. Uh, now that he doesn't have a mask anymore, he he's he, he's good with the mic. Uh, he can tell a great story. And like I said, just, I love this guy, man. Such a great wrestler, and I can't wait for him to go to AEW at some point. Oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. But all his friends, indie friends, are there. So. Yeah. And his best friend's contract's running out, too. So, yeah, his contract's coming. So, let's see. But those are my four people. We have Rey Mysterio, dream. Eddie Guerrero, Brian Danielson, and Sami Zayn. What about you, Gabe? I think for me, um, a shoe-in is the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Oh, definitely. He's probably my favorite wrestler. Yeah. Um, second up would be The Rock. The Rock's just... Oh, yeah. The Rock is kind of just... He's the show... He's kind of like the guy that... 
He's the he's kind of like the money. Mm-hmm. Like him and Shawn Michaels main event are like, I don't know. What more can you say? Like it's the Rock. Everybody knows him. He's another cultural phenomenon. Also, we're from Miami, so yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. he's us. He's one of us. Yeah, one he's not the us. best though. He is not the best in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, third would have to be Eddie Guerrero. Um, his matches like at first he's kind of like the first heel during his heel run where I was just like, man. I this guy's a bad guy, but I can't help but root for uh-huh. him. Yeah, I don't think he. I mean, he never felt like a bad guy. <laughs> no, there was, there was yeah, things. it doesn't matter how evil he was. If he was like, I remember he was uh, claiming to be Rey Mysterio, the father of Rey yeah, Mysterio's like, child, and he was like literally taking custody away from him. And I was like, all right, this guy's really evil. And then he came out with the shirt that said, "I'm your poppy," and he sold you. And I was like, ah, this guy's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. <laughs> And then last up on that list, I think is gonna be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold. Oh, That's another one, yeah. That is a great one. You'd be on my list if there were six people in Mount Rushmore. That's good, <laughs> but there's only four, four? right, <laughs> in South Dakota. South, no, no, South, no back it's actually no. South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> back in back in 2011 in North Dakota, um, there was six. There spots. was six. Oh, yeah. Was six, then okay. they were relo- relocated. Oh, that's all right. So that's, those are my four. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I cheated by going last so that I could include people that weren't on your list. Like, let's be honest. Eddie would be in all of our Mount Rushmores, but you mentioned him twice. So I'm gonna go ahead with, um, and this is a okay. So we're talking about talent, overall impact, and I know this isn't a good time because he's kind of a little canceled right now. But the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, his body of work. Is like oh, that's not where I thought you were gonna go. Super amazing! Oh no, we're, he who <laughs> he who shall remain me. nameless. Yeah, uh, the Nature Boy R- Ric Flair. Um, it's just like he was great in the '80s. I've seen all the tapes. He was great in the '90s when I was growing up, and even the two the 2000s. He's like an old man, like going through tables and barbed wire and falling off ladders. Like the man can reinvent himself yeah. in every generation. Uh, then Brett the Hitman Hart. The other guy on my Mount Rushmore is Bret Hart. For every Sean, there's a Bret. There's the guy who's flashy, like Sean, high-flying. And then there's the guy who grounds him. The guy who just everything he does is beautiful and thought of. I mean, he's the if Punk is Shawn Michaels, then Dan, Brian Danielson is the excellence of execution. Bret Hart. Um, Best there ever was. And then Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's on my Mount Rushmore. This guy was a beast. I followed him all through, you know, through WWE and then into Impact Wrestling. I actually saw him win the gold medal um, on TV in 1996 because wrestling, professional wrestling, made amateur wrestling one of the only sports I was super interested in watching every four years at the Summer Olympics. Also, I think Kurt Angle's the person that made me realize that wrestling is like an Olympic sport and not yeah. like... Throwing people through tables. He gave it legitimacy, legitimacy, yeah. legitimacy in a in a way that uh that um for example Brock Lesnar gives it with yeah. his MMA background and his like legit world heavyweight championships and then the yeah. and his size yeah that too and his scariness and then the last guy on my Mount Rushmore if you have Brian Danielson Lee, I have CM Punk CM Punk is an iconoclasm he is the cult of personality you know. To, to follow the cliche. So that would be my Mount Rushmore. Those are good. Now, to end this uh, to end this pot episode, I like to always recommend people stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm going to ask every both of you is to recommend one match to our listeners so they can go watch it somewhere on YouTube or one or two matches so they can watch it and um, – yeah, see what they see in those wrestlers that you're talking about, like that you see. See what they, what you see. Let them <laughs> see what you see in the in these wrestlers. Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, one match that I will recommend to you guys is a match that happened in NXT Takeover. I'm not sure which Takeover, but it was fairly uh, new in the beginning. Yeah, early in the early, network yeah, era. Yeah, network era. Yes, and it's Adrian Neville, aka Pac versus Sami Zayn, aka El Generico, for the NXT Championship. And, like, I know when I described wrestling, it talked about, like, a battle between good and evil. Mm-hmm. This is a match that demonstrates a battle between good and evil. This is, a, in my opinion, one of the true underdog stories right here. Sami Zayn coming up and 
beating uh, Neville for the championship, and Spoiler I should love. Alert. Uh, yeah, my bad. Oh yeah, Elitist yeah. You, you were in the drama. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but, that that's from um, NXT Takeover. Our Evolution is the name of the yeah, show. Yeah, that's, that's the one where uh, Kevin Steen, uh, Kevin Owens came in. Yeah, and just, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I said, Kevin Owens. I mean, uh, Sami Zayn's one of my favorites, and Pac is awesome. And just seeing them fight, tell a beautiful story, and oh, I literally cried watching that match. Very few things in life make me cry. Wrestling is one of those. <laughs> what about you, Gabe or George? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll go. So it's super hard to say, like, oh, see a match because we talk about storytelling on this show. We talk about characters, and that kind of drives your interest in a match. So it's hard, like, in a vacuum to say, go watch this match without the context. Hopefully, your match has a video package before because they do a great job, yeah. like, telling those stories in those video packages. But it just pure technique. Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe mm. versus AJ Styles, TNA Unbreakable 2005. It's a three-way match between the ground guy, the high flyer, and the brute, right? And the beautiful magic that these three men put together, it it will define like a generation of three ways, which is like not a popular way because it's difficult. There's a lot of moving pieces, uh, you know, Wrestling fans typically like the one-on-one, but if you had to sell a three-way, this is the match to show you. So, Daniels, Joe, AJ, Unbreakable, 2005. What about you, Gabe? I would say, um, I guess you guys kind of have some classics. I have an instant classic that was a couple of uh, months ago, I believe. Um, yeah, it just was, a few weeks, really? Yeah, it was the Lucha Bros. Versus the Young Bucks for the Tag Team Championship. At the pay-per-view All Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, that match was incredible, but I'd have to recommend that entire pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, if you could oh, see yeah, highlights sure. it or be. something, it's it's one of the... I I didn't have the opportunity to watch it live. It was just a very busy weekend. But I watched... I, almost, I saw some of the highlights, and I was like, nah, I have to watch this whole thing live. So I went back. I didn't really know anything going into it. And then I watched the whole match on replay. I mean, the whole pay-per-view on replay. And it blew my mind. It gave me chills. And it was like two days, three days after the fact. And for me, I think that that match um, was kind of like AEW. Like the whole entire pay-per-view was kind of like saying AEW is, we're real. We're, we're in this game and, and we're serious. Mm-hmm. Because even if you don't know of like the, the appearances that came out, like you can just tell that it's big. You can feel, yeah. You can yeah, feel you the can tell These are important people for some reason. Yeah. Because there was people that I didn't know, um, such as like Adam Cole and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And now Adam Cole's one of my favorites right. in AEW. Um, I did a whole deep dive on, on his career. I've seen highlights of his different matches that he's had, and he's it's incredible. And it's like opened my eyes to like things that happened such like so long ago, and they're kind of finding new life. Yeah, the pain off now. Where, yeah, where where it is now. So it's like you can be a fan of of any like of however duration like you can be a, a long time fan an immediate fan or like a a reemerging fan I guess mm-hmm. I would say for my case and I just think that that whole pay per view is um, kind of like the epitome of the excitement that is going on right now and if you can if you have some time week to week maybe catch a show or two because every week for me what I've seen has been fantastic from AEW. I, I might say that that pay-per-view, All Out, might be one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Of all time. And that's crazy thing to say with so little, like, you know, space in between. But, man, it's there a There was not burn. a dull moment. There, there was yeah. not, like, a skip moment where it's like, let me fast-forward this. Like, every single part of it was exciting and captivating. Yeah. I would argue there was one, and you knew exactly why it was happening, when it was happening. You know what I mean? Like, it served its purpose, you know? And, yeah. yeah. Um, we follow these stories, we we look up these personalities, these characters. Why? Because they drive us. Because we see ourselves in these men and women who gear up and put their bodies and sometimes even their lives on the line. The reality is, as Link mentioned earlier, good versus evil, right versus wrong. The stories that we tell, they reflect the society we are and they also shape the narratives that we apply in our own lives. So ultimately, whether your heroes um, are Jedis with sabers, whether they wear capes, 
or they're gearing up boots and tights, they're telling those stories, those stories that keep driving us back to them time after time, generation after generation. And as we continue to search for that driving force, that device that keeps us moving forward, we continue to do that week in and week out. And until next time, keep on searching.